Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. Dan Avone, like always, out here in San Francisco holding down the West Coast. And out in beautiful New York City, it is our own NFL agent, Matty Marino. Matt, what do you say? What's up, Dan? How we doing, man? It's, uh, it's good to be back on and, and chatting with you. Yeah, it is. As, uh, hopefully, we can see a lot at the end of the tunnel as far as sports is concerned, but still in this holding pattern. A significant ruling recently came down by the NCAA where players now, and I'll let you sort of get through the details, but I, I, I guess this is where I want to start. Are we getting a step closer now to where players it, at the NCAA level and playing college sports, namely basketball and football, are going to get paid that's one part of the question and just go ahead and sort of explain this recent ruling where they can now make money off of their likeness and imaging. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it, it, we're taking, you know, baby steps there. Um, and, and this isn't, you know, the school's paying players, this isn't the NCA paying players. Um, but it's, you know, kind of a bridge to that it's players being able to earn, you know, third party endorsements. Um, so, you know, when you take a guy that, you know, has such popularity in, in college sports, generally like, you know, you're talking about college football, college basketball. Um, those are the two big ones and, and certainly big schools. You know, the, the first one that comes to mind is probably Tim Tebow. Um, I think when he was in college, I think his, his jersey sales were, you know, just behind, um, you know, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, um, Peyton Manning, guys like that. Um, you know, he was in the top five worldwide. So, you know, he'd be able to profit off something like that. Um, and I think, you know, going forward, you know, what you're going to see too is, um, you know, possibly, you know, players in, you know, what they would call Olympic sports. So the non-revenue producing sports, you know, so maybe it's, you know, women's volleyball, women's soccer, uh, men's soccer, uh, lacrosse, baseball, um, also having kind of localized opportunities to, you know, to make revenue, you know, using their, their social media, whether it's, you know, Twitter, um, uh, Instagram, TikToks, Facebook, um, they can, you know, have their own podcast. They can have their own YouTube channel, um, and, and have people subscribe to it. Um, anything that's, that's content related is, is probably going to be a big one. Um, so you, you have these, um, these platforms out there, like overtime, the players tribune, um, you know, players being able to, you know, to, you know, make announcements, um, through those content platforms. And then I think the, the one that's kind of underrated or, uh, maybe under talked about discussed is, you know, players can have their own business. Um, and that wasn't allowed before. So if you were a college student, you know, never stepping, uh, never a college student athlete, um, you know, you could run your own business. You could sell t-shirts, you know, out of your dorm room. Um, you can never do that as a college student athlete. Um, you know, you weren't able to profit, um, in any, you know, any capacity, you couldn't have your own business. You couldn't, um, you know, make money in that way. Um, just like a normal college student. So I think it, it does, you know, open up some, uh, you know, some really possibilities, you know, for the student athlete. Um, and especially there's, there's no cap on it. Um, you know, so, you know, the players that are, you know, globally known um, and nationally known, you know, really can, can profit, you know, off their name and likeness. It's about time, really, when you yeah. think about it. And I, I really don't understand, and maybe you can help explain what it is that the NCAA uses as a defense. I mean, for decades now, people have been saying, look it, I walk into the student library and there's my jersey, you're selling it, you're making money, and why shouldn't I get a, a piece of that pie? What have they said in terms of why they, they, it's taken so long for them to get to this point? 
Uh, <laughs> they're never going to really say anything, you know, too concrete. Uh, but you know, it's. But what was their defense prior? Yeah. It, it all had to do with the amateurism. Is that still? Sort yeah, of it, it, you know, it's got to do with the amateurism. It's got to do with the student athlete, and you know, student coming before athlete, right? That's what it has to deal with. And you know, you have some new, um, you know, you have some new rulings coming down, right? You might not have uh, classes this fall, um, right? So, you know, if you're talking about putting. Um, and I'm not saying these, you know, these go together. It's some kind of conspiracy. But if you're talking about putting, you know, football players, you know, in games this fall through practices without classes, um, you know, on campus, you know, you're really taking the student aspect out of that. Um, so they're just athletes making money for your university, um, you know, by playing football. Um, you know, so that whole amateurism thing, I think, is is going, you know, further and further down the drain. Um, you know, you have obviously the G League. We talked about this on, on a previous episode, um, stepping over um, college basketball, right? You have them, you know, taking players instead of paying them $125,000, you are now having them pay $500,000 for, you know, a year of playing in the G League. Um, and it's the, you know, the NBA G League pathway program. Um, so this is, you know, like a lot of things the NCAA does, this is, this is pretty reactionary. Um, they're reacting to a lot of situations that are going on. Um, one, obviously, being the pandemic. Um, to, you know, other avenues for players to make it to, prof, you know, professional sports. Um, I think the thing you have to think about is in a lot of other professional sports, you know, baseball, you know, you get drafted out of high school, you can go, you know, to a team's farm system. Um, you can also choose to go to college and, you know, and, and play, you know, three years or, or possibly even play four years and, and still get drafted. But you do have the option of going straight to, uh, you know, straight from high school. Um, you know, soccer players all over the world, you know, they, they turn pro at, you know, 16, 17 years old. Um, you know, some have even done it in the U.S. That goes for men and women. Um, you know, so you do have those opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, the popularity, um, they're kind of at, at two sides of the spectrum. You know, professional athletes are very, very popular. And then, you know, with Generation Z, everyone being attached to phones, high school age athletes are very popular. Um, you know, that that gap is in the middle is in college a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think they're, they're trying to, what the NCAA is trying to do is, is leverage that a little bit, get their leverage back and, you know, attract kids, you know, to, you know, to playing college sports again. So just to break it down and take it away from, for a moment, from the top tier athletes, you talked about Tim Tebow and guys who's or women whose jerseys that are selling at the bookstore. But if you're on, let's say, the, the men's volleyball team, or let's say you're on a men's baseball team, a D1 school, maybe you're even not that significant of a player, but you use your likeness or your status as a pitcher on a, on a baseball team in college as sort of a platform for your social media. You've got a YouTube channel, you've got an Instagram, and it all sort of centers around playing baseball for this particular school. And whatever avenue you go down in terms of your niche and, and then you, you, you gain some popularity because you're innovative and in how you do this, like a lot of social media these days, and you reach out to a lot of people because you're clever through your video or what, what have you. But the base being is that you are a baseball player and a student athlete for this particular team. And then like a lot of social media today, you begin to make money because somebody sees that, oh my goodness, you've got 2 million viewers, I have a product, I want to advertise on your YouTube channel. I want to be on your Instagram, your Snapchat, what have you. Here is a stipend or here is money so that just like anybody else that wants to advertise or use sponsorship dollars, we're going to pay you to be part of your brand and social media. 
is that what we're talking about? Is that an opportunity for kids who are playing baseball or maybe not one of the bigger sports? Are they able to create a brand and then get sponsorship revenue uh, in that sort of model? Yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about, um, you know, players and athletes and, and just people in general, you know, they, they, you know, they want to have their brand, quote unquote, you know, start at an earlier time, you know, start, you know, at an earlier age, um, especially athletes, because, you know, they see people, you know, in front of them, all of them doing it. Um, and sometimes, you know, look, a lot of these athletes, you know, probably don't even, um, you know, have the, uh, you know, the, the ability or, you know, um, kind of, uh, advice around them, you know, available to them to, to be able to kind of navigate these systems. Um, you know, but yeah, you know, that's what you're oh, trying yeah, to do. Let me just ask you this. So was it then illegal or was it against NCAA bylaws? If say a kid, yeah. as I just laid out as a pitcher on a collegiate basketball team, it creates this platform, but it's all based on him being a pitcher as sort of the theme. Was that, that was illegal. Not been yep. able to do this prior to this recent ruling. Yeah, that was illegal. Um, that wasn't, you know, that would be illegal. That would be deemed illegal. Um, you know, he could not profit, you know, off the fact that he's a pitcher, you know, at University of Florida or LSU or Rice or, you know, wherever it, that, that player is a pitcher, just like, you know, the woman soccer player at Florida State or Miami or, you know, University of Washington t couldn't do it either. Um, you know, she was not able to profit like a normal student was able to profit um, and earn, you know, money, um, you know, while they're in college. And, and that's what, you know, that's the gap they're trying to close. Um, you know, that's what they're trying to, you know, they're trying to obviously put some regulations in it, you know, no tobacco, no gambling, you know, no alcohol, um, you know, possibly, you know, limiting, um, you know, athletic, you know, companies like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, um, because of their history um, facilitating, uh, you know, uh, certainly within college basketball, you know, some infractions that have come up, um, but that's, you know, that's the gist of it. You know, you, you know, the NCA is, is acknowledging, um, look, if, if, you know, we want to keep our, uh, kind of keep control over what we have going here. Um, and they do obviously have a, a massive, massive business. Um, they have to figure out a way to, uh, entice the players, you know, to be part of that because the players are their business. Um, the players are what keep it going. So that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, they're, they're allowing um, players to profit, you know, off of what they should have been able to profit, you know, certainly a long time ago. And, and just like, you know, you had the Edo Banyans, you know, with EA Sports, you know, playing basketball, video games, um, you know, with himself and his brother, Tim Tebow, and his jersey sales, um, you know, uh, signings at, you know, whether it's a local mall or car dealership or restaurant, um, you know, most of these campuses are in college towns um and those college towns are so fanatical about you know those uh, that university sports especially football and basketball or one or the other um that players are going to have opportunities you know to earn some money and, and certainly increase their status and you know I, I would say brand exposure uh you know through that of an earlier age we talked about the g league that may have expedited this sort of ruling that the G League now, of course, has seen some top-tier players coming out of, out of high school deciding that they want to go to the G League because they want an opportunity to get paid and get paid legally. But the difference still, there is a definitive line being drawn still between that of the G League where you can sign a shoe deal and you can be a spokesperson. And as much as the NCAA has come forward in terms of their archaic thinking, there is still a definitive divide in terms of athletes at the student athlete level or at the collegiate level or in the NCAA are 
still can't go to, to, to that arena like that of the G League and be a spokesperson or sign a shoe deal or be a pitch man for some local product. That's not happening at the NCAA level. As forward as they have come with this ruling, that's still not going to take place, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah, you're, you're spot on. Um, you know, you, you might not see, um, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence as a national spokesperson, you know, for, you know, for brands, um, but he could certainly, you know, have, uh, you know, a, a deal in place with, you know, Pizza Hut, um, you know, he could, he could be doing that. Um, that's something that, you know, he could be going out there um, next fall as a, as a junior and, you know, he could, you know, be using whatever um, means that he, he has available to him, you know, to have a deal with, you know, a brand like Pizza Hut or Poland Spring or, you know, um, you know, something that's kind of been pushed back a little bit by the NCA is, you know, the, the Nike or Adidas or Under Armour, um, you know, conflicting if, if Clemson, you know, let's just stay on that. If Clemson's using Nike, you know, can Trevor Lawrence use Adidas? Um, you know, how's that going to play out? Um, I don't think that's been, it definitely hasn't been talked about. Um, they're, they're discouraging it because of that, you know, conflict, but, um, you know, clearly uh, money can make some things uh, smooth, you know, can smooth over some certain things. Do you think this is the first step towards paying the student athlete? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the first step. Um, like I said, you know, it's, it's a bridge, right? So, you know, you're not just going to go and, you know, rule, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're now going to pay student athletes because I don't think the NCAA knows how to do that. Um, they've never done it before. And certainly if they're going to pay, you know, college football players or college basketball players, they're going to have to pay on the men's side. They're going to have to pay women's soccer players and field hockey players and, you know, men's track and field runners um, and swimmers. Um, they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. And I don't think they have that figured out. So I think this is one step. Um, you know, this is a third party figuring out, um, you know, maybe being able to take some of the available information, available data, once players are starting to get some kind of endorsements, um, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, on a national level or just a local level, you know, what sports are, are seeing a, a higher clip than others. Um, and, you know, kind of tweaking that, uh, you know, going forward. But, but yeah, I think, you know, uh, the NCAA is going to have to figure out a way to pay college athletes, uh, certainly football players. I think that's the most pressing one, um, mainly because I think what they, what could happen is, you know, the power five conferences will just, you know, basically get together and say, you know, screw this, forget this. We're going to leave the NCAA and, and form our own thing. Um, and that's a whole separate conversation we can get into. Um, but I think that's something that the NCA is, is certainly aware of um, because they are now, you know, obviously aware of things like, you know, the G lead, the pathway program, and, and obviously athletes going pro in other sports uh, by bypassing college. Well, in defense of the NCA, and I don't say that phrase very often, <laughs> but it is a difficult sort of thing to get your arms around. And I don't yeah. know if there's some sort of an economist out there that has nothing to do with the NCA that could be a consultant, because when you think about it, it is, it's, it's difficult to be equitable, I think, because if you're Trevor Lawrence, as you pointed out, you're, if you're going to be paying players and you're Trevor Lawrence, you're certainly going to command a certain sort of salary stipend. Mm -hmm. But does a starting quarterback at Clemson, a starting quarterback at Alabama then make as much? Or what do you pay the starting quarterback at Boise State? Or what do you pay the starting quarterback at Washington State or some of the, the schools that never even sniffed the top 25 and or a bowl game. It's difficult with that many players in that many divisions 
to be equitable across the board, I guess, once you start paying players. And, and certainly, I guess it can be done, but it seems to be beyond my bandwidth. Does that, does that sort of make sense in terms of how it's, how it's equal for everybody? Yeah. And like you hit, you know, you just hit it on top of it, um, you know, nail on the head. It'll never be equal. Someone's always going to be unhappy, right? You know, whether it's a, you know, a football player at Boise State or it's a football player, you know, at Central Michigan, um, you know, or uh, Arizona State or, you know, out of the power five, you know, wherever it might be. Um, and then it's, you know, players in other sports, um, you know, does, does the NCA, you know, because the NCAA is paying football players more and paying basketball players more on the men's side, you know, do, do you sort sports suffer because of that? Right. Um, you know, do, do parents start putting their, their kids, you know, in, in only the, you know, the revenue producing sports, um, you know, how does that work or how does that, you know, change the sports landscape? You know, I, I wouldn't know that. I'm just throwing that question out there as, as kind of a thought. Um, but yeah, I, I think that those are all, you know, fair. You, you can't just, you know, equate everyone across the board um, because obviously um, one, you know, college football, as we're going to see with the pandemic that's going on college football, um, certainly, um, you know, their revenue that they make um, pays for a lot of the other sports, just about all of them. Um, you know, obviously college basketball is brings in a, a serious you know amount of revenue as well, but college football is, is what, um, allows the other sports, the Olympic sports, men's and women's, you know, to exist. Um, so, you know, if you do have a college football season this fall um, and there aren't, you know, fans in the stands and, you know, the, the revenue is down, you know, you're going to see schools uh, cutting programs. And, you know, that is, you know, that whole revenue is, is tied in together, um, you know, when you're talking about eventually paying athletes. So I, I think this is, look, it's a step in the right direction. It's obviously overdue. Um, you know, it was well overdue. Um, you know, I think Ed O'Bannon was, was playing the early nineties, maybe. Um, I don't even know when he was playing, but you know, it's clearly overdue. Um, and you know, what it does, I think is, um, you know, certainly allows players, you know, to facilitate and, you know, kind of mature themselves, um, in a professional environment, you know, while they're still in college. You know, I'd like to see done and, and, I'd like to see it just taken out of the NCAA, NCAA's hands. In other words, just remove Mark Emmert and look at just continue with the way you're doing things. And I'd like to see more of an emphasis on the G League. I'd like to see more like that of the G League. Maybe there can be other divisions or other leagues that are competitive with the G League. But just give the kid coming out of high school the opportunity. Look, if you want to go play basketball and get paid for a year before you can go and you're, you're eligible to join the, the NBA – then go to the G League. I'd like to see the G League be more prominent. But if you're somebody that wants to go to college for a year or two years or four years, then you're going to have to stay within the structure and the laws that are laid down by that of Mark Emmert and the NCAA. In other words, you're an amateur athlete. You're not going to get the shoe deals. You're not going to be a spokesperson. You're just going to get a stipend like everybody else for books and clothes and, and food and what have you. But if you want to get paid – as a young man coming out of high school, then you have the option of a G League. The only problem being is that we don't have that sort of option for kids coming out of high school for football. Nope. Football is basically you're going to college because there isn't any sort of, at least that I'm not aware of, a minor league system for a football player at the collegiate level to go play for a year or two and then be drafted into the NFL out of high school. But I would like to see them just have that option and keep college the way it is so that you're not trying to pay – 
one guy Clemson the same as you're paying the other guy in Boise State because it's just going to get messy. Be college. Go there for the education if you want. If you don't, then you have the option of going to a minor league system. Can you ever foresee in the future of, of the NFL creating something like that of the G League? Uh, well, it was around last year. It was the XFL. <laughs> Unfortunately, that, you know, that went bankrupt. And, well, I mean, look, you even had a player, you know, Kenny Robinson, who, you know, played – I think he played two years at West Virginia, um, had some academic issues, went to go play in the XFL for St. Louis, and then uh, was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think in the fifth round he was drafted, you know, as a safety. You know, so – Look, that's obviously uh, just one player. Um, but, you know, it, look, it was the XFL's first, you know, the XFL's first year and first for right doing this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the XFL was certainly going to target players, um, you know, with less than three years removed um, from high school. And that's what the, N- the NFL eligibility is. You know, you got to be three years removed from high school. Um, one can be a redshirt year. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, so you can be that redshirt sophomore. But, but yeah, I mean, I think – you know, it's, it's tough. You know, we just, you know, as the SFL was kind of getting some momentum in that, in that area, um, you know, they were unfortunately shut down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, look, you know, if you're, if you're a high school kid and, you know, hypothetical, if Google offers you a job, you know, coming out of high school, you know, or you can, you know, for whatever, $50,000 a year, or you can pay, you know, you know, half that to go to, uh, you know, USC, um, or UCLA or wherever, um, I, I think you're probably going to take the job at Google. Um, you know, that's, that's the tough part. I think that's what you're talking about a little bit. The athlete doesn't even have a choice. Um, you know, they have to go to college. And I think that's, um, you know, what needs to, you know, what needs to be addressed. And of course the G league is funded by the NBA. Maybe there are. can be a league because the XFL was funded and created by Vince McMahon of the WWE. Maybe the NFL can have some sort of an offshoot where they fund some sort of minor league system, giving these kids, again, the option of playing in this league and then funneling into to the NFL should they be good enough. You know, there's that, there's that age-old argument. And just tell me how you stand on this, Matt. But you've heard this from time. And, I mean, it's throughout the decades, people have said, well, why are you paying the athletes? Because the athletes are getting paid at the collegiate level in the NCAA. They're getting tuition, they're getting books, they're getting room and board, and they're getting clothes. And that may not sound like much, but when you're talking about going to a school like that of USC, where your tuition is in excess of six figures, and upwards to, uh, I don't even know how much it costs to get into SC these days, 150, 200 grand a year. And it certainly is worth something, as well as getting the, the education, the preparedness to join the real world, like every other kid that's in college these days. And, and I, I pointed out to you, this to you before we went on the podcast, but, you know, you look at what's happening with some of these Hollywood housewives and how much money they pay, the Felicity Huffmans and that big scandal. Yeah. Oh, these, <laughs> these Hollywood housewives who were putting their kids who couldn't get into USC, but there was that fake crew team they put them on just so that they could get, get them into school. And now they're, you know, potentially going to do some time, albeit a week or two, but it is. It just shows the importance of trying to get into a named school. And here are these, you know, these kids coming out of coming out of high school that are getting this opportunity simply because they play football. Does that argument fall on deaf ears, or is there something? Is there some legitimacy to it? Hey, listen, you are getting paid by a tuition to a named school, an education, and the fact that we are giving you money monthly so that you can sustain and get from point A to point B. I mean, look, I, I do think there's some legitimacy to it. Um, however, 
you know, I think it's, you know, very, very small and look, yeah, they are getting a free education, you know, but I'm gonna go back to my point. So if there's, you know, if there's no class in the fall and I know this is just a, a huge hypothetical, um, but these kids are supposed to come back and play, uh, you know, for their college where there's no fans, no classes, but they're making money for the school, making money, you know, with a TV deal. Um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, certainly a 19 year old is going to pay attention to. They want to be compensated for that. Um, now let, let's take that away then. Um, you know, just the age old argument, Hey, look, they're going to get, you know, a, a $200,000 education for free. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, they are. And I, I think, you know, you know, certain sports, you know, it's okay. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's certainly, um, you know, fair that, um, you know, I was a college athlete. Um, it's, it's great to have, you know, a free education, hundred percent, um, or, you know, a percentage of a free education. Um, absolutely agree with that. I think the, the tough part for the majority of athletes is that, look, you're making a lot of money, um, for your university, you're putting your university um, or college on the map. Um, you're helping tuition. Um, you're, you know, in helping enrollment, um, you're, you're furthering, uh, the university's, um, you know, uh, I guess advertising or advertising of the university or promotion of the university you know, obviously this is more towards, um, you know, college football and, and men's college basketball. Um, you know, but, you know, look, I went to Villanova university, obviously, you know, you've heard this argument as well too, you know, when, uh, teams win an NCAA tournament, uh, you know, March Madness tournament, the enrollment goes crazy. Um, and I'm sure I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I'm sure, you know, after 2016 and after 2018, uh, when Villanova won those those two tournaments, you know those numbers went the enrollment, uh, not the enrollment, but the applications went nuts. Um, you know, and that happens. You know, when um, you know Florida State's playing in the national title game, or Ohio State's playing in the national title game, or Clemson, um, you know, those that ability um, to be more selective um, is, is going to you know become you know one of the issues that they're talking about, um, and you know the amount of applications that they receive the amount of notoriety that this, that university gains. Um, so, you know, I do understand, you know, that, Hey, look, you know what? Absolutely. Um, you know, there are people that say, look, I wanted to go to this school. This is where I've always wanted to go. Um, and they're going to, you know, pay for my education. Thank you so much. And we're going to, you know, wash our hands and leave it at that. Um, but I think that's a very, you know, maybe that's nine out of 10, I'm sorry, one out of 10. Um, I think there's, you know, the other 90% is saying, look, you know, um, I work very hard. Um, certainly, all student athletes can attest to this. You, you have very long days. Um, you put a lot of hours in, uh, your classes are usually secondary to, you know, they, they work your class schedule around your practice schedule and game schedule. Um, it's not the other way around. So, you know, I think that's, you know, in my view, that's one of the you know first things you, you know, you can bring up at, you know, in this argument of, of paying college athletes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to get that college education, but, um, certainly when you're making money for other people, um, and lots of money, you know, you do want to have, you know, you do want to earn in that as well. I think it was Boston college, maybe five, six years ago, they tried to unionize some of the players. I think Can Northwestern, you, right? Northwestern. Was it Northwestern? You're I think right. It was Northwestern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Northwestern. Can you see at some point where if the NCAA continues down the same road, where they're not going to pay the student athlete that the athletes will create some sort of a union and feel as though at least come to the table saying, 
look at, we're a uni now. We want to negotiate your contract or your television deals with the ESPN and the SEC network and the Pac-12 network. Could you foresee at any point some sort of union involving exclusively the student athlete? I'd like to. Um, I think, um, you know, that's certainly a, you know, look, obviously when the, when the, the student athletes at Northwestern brought it up, um, you know, it was, it was certainly a, a nice proposal. Um, I think it's really, really difficult logistically. You have so many student athletes around the country, um, you know, that um, it would be very, very difficult to, you know, really have that as a, uh, you know, a smooth working organization. Um, I, I think, look, if you had help from another union, um, you know, then, then possibly it's, you know, something that, um, it's something that you can look at, you know, and I think you also have to examine the key points, you know, are the, are the student athletes key points just look, we want to get paid or, you know, we're not going to show up. We're going to, we're going to lock out, so to speak, um, which would be, if you're rooting for chaos, that'd be amazing to see. Um, and you know, if you're, you know, talking about just name image likeness, you know, unionizing in that sense, um, you know, I think that would, you know, certainly be valuable for a student athlete, um, you know, run union, um, because you then, you know, can command some things for the Olympic sports that don't have the notoriety that, you know, college football and basketball have. Um, but I think it would be really, really hard, um, you know, to have that from top to bottom, um, you know, the entire um, student athlete population unionizing. Um, but certainly, um, you know, it would be, would be very interesting, you know, if a, uh, I think it was called like college athlete players association. I think that's what it was called back then. Um, and I don't, I'm not too sure what happened to it, but you know, if they got some assistance to take on the NCA, um, what I mean by assistance is capital. Um, that would really be interesting. Um, you know, that'd be interesting to, you know, to watch. Well, as the entire country and the entire world focuses on the last dance, that being the Michael Jordan documentary, the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls, and why not? It's a really well-done documentary. There is also another doc out there, and it's basically we've been kicking around the last 20 minutes, half hour, and then student-athletes, specifically in basketball, getting paid and getting of the table and getting paid illegally and it has to do with this gentleman by the name of Christian Dawkins who was sort of this this runner I guess and a guy who was this sort of a, a feeder or conduit between the agents and the well he goes back to the AAU players and then the high school and the collegiate players and it's just it really is well done in terms of showing the underbelly of college basketball and today's programs that are essentially paying the top tier players coming out of high school. And I mean, they're all doing it. And anybody who says they aren't, well, they're just simply lying to you, as you will see in this documentary. Now, believe it or not, Matt Marino has not seen this doc. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait for you to get on board. But I'd like to kick that around. And maybe we can get this conversation going once again. And just look at this documentary and just give me your sort of insight and what you think about uh, what went down and, and sort of how it relates today in college sports and specifically basketball. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it after you gave it a little tease. Um, and certainly, um, look, I know a lot about the underbelly of, of college athletics, certainly basketball and football. I have the biggest ones. Um, you know, basketball is, is, is by far the most, um, you know, slimy, slippery uh, college sport. And, you know, when you have, uh, you know, these, these colleges um, in business with the shoe companies, the Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, um, you know, you're always going to have uh, ways that, um, the college coaches are going to, are going to, you know, 
attract players to the school um, through those shoe companies because the shoe companies had direct access through AAU teams, AAU tournaments. Um, and, and that's what you're exactly touching on. I mean, the Sean Millers or the, or the Will Wades of the world who um, had their phones tapped and, and, you know, were, were caught funneling payments, you know, through Adidas, um, you know, to uh, college players, their families. Um, sometimes college players are even, you know, completely, uh, you know, not knowing, you know, what's going on, what their family's doing behind their back. Um, you know, even going back to, uh, you know, you can look at Reggie Bush, you know, when he was at SC and they took away his Heisman and, um, you know, took away all his wins. Um, you know, that, that, that goes towards it as well too. Um, so this is something that's been around for a very, very long time. Um, you know, I don't think paying student athletes or, you know, giving them money for third party deals is going to change very much of that because it's still going to happen. Um, there's still going to be people, people be doing it. There's still going to be people, you know, with their hands out. Um, so I think that, you know, is, is always going to be a part of college sports. Um, you know, whether you're paying players or not, um, that's always going to be there because, you know, schools are going to be competing. And just like we talked about, um, you know, if you're paying, if you're, you know, Kansas or, um, Arizona and, and you're paying, um, you know, a hundred thousand or 70,000, you know, for one player, um, because you know how much he's going to you know benefit your program and probably only benefit it for a year, um, you know, just that one stretch, um, you know, but what, you know, what he's going to be so influential for not just that one year, but for years to come because he left the mark on the program, um, you know, possibly winning, you know, a conference championship, possibly winning a national championship, um, you know, the coaches see that as, as you know, kind of a risk reward scenario and, and they go with it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, and we can certainly get into a little bit more, you know, who's paying who, um, who has, who always has their hands out, um, you know, how these AAU programs work with colleges um, and certainly um, the differences within college football and college basketball as well. Well, there's just something about basketball. Now I know it's dirty across the board when you talk about college athletics, but, and maybe you can talk about this really quick because there, there is a, there is definitely differentials when you talk about being an NFL agent which you are mm -hmm. and what you have to do if there's a test I believe that you got to pass in order to be licensed to be an NFL agent yep. in Major yep. League Baseball it's similar although Very different. Similar. Yep. but when it comes to the NBA and being an agent maybe you can talk about the, the restrictions if correct me if I'm wrong are not as stringent and there seems to be a reason why it's so <laughs> dirty when you talk about basketball especially when it gets to agents and it gets down to that AAU level, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you're exactly right. The NFL Players Association, you know, all the players associations are what governs the agents. Uh, MLBPA, you sit for a test, you take a test, you have to have some kind of advanced degree, whether it's your master's, your um, uh, MBA, I mean, JD, I guess you could technically have a, a medical degree um, that would allow you to separate a test. Um, the NBA until I, I think it was two years ago, you needed a high school education. Um, and that just, you know, lets the wow. doors wide open. Um, and that's all you needed um, to represent NBA players. And I think, you know, the NBA players association um, has done a good job recently at, at obviously modifying that and changing that. Um, they now obviously have a rule too, where I, I'm not as familiar with it, but you can be an NBA agent and an NCA certified agent. So you can advise players that are considering coming into the NBA draft, um, you know, in that window where they can go back and, and still retain some eligibility. Um, so you do have that ability um, to be a, 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 I guess, duly certified um, NBA agent. Um, obviously there's some, um, there's overseas leagues that, 
um, it doesn't really fall into the NBA MBPA category um, because they're not um, the same players association. But yeah, um, the NBA was always, you know, the, the dirties with a bunch because of these, um, the lack of, you know, the lack of structure, the lack of uh, control the players association had. And, and luckily they've, you know, not luckily, but, you know, very smart on their end, you know, they've, they've changed it over the last two years um, and, and now have some enforcement, um, you know, on their agent um, certification and, and have modified it in, in the correct way where you do have to have similar um, requirements um, at like the NFL and major league baseball players association. It's called the scheme. And for those of you I'm out on. there that have seen it, you know what I'm talking about, Matt? Yeah. You can do some binge watching during the pandemic and, Definitely check out the scheme, and we can talk about it the next time that we get together. And, and give them the sports biz for Dan Bone out in San Francisco for Matt Marino. Until next time, so long, everybody. See you, Dan. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.